We're good kids. I'm a I'm a good Christian boy. <laughs> yeah. well, that is that is that is totally going in front of the opening of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Bloodlust and Bourbon Podcast. My name is Stephen. I'm Hannah. I'm Troy. All right, and today is Hannah's Mandate, and we're discussing a uh, little indie thriller called Meeting Evil. Are you excited about that, Hannah? I'm so excited. I love this movie so much, and no one's ever heard of it, so anytime I get a chance to evangelize about it, I'm going to do it. And evangelize she does. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so before we do that, let's... Uh, do what we usually do and talk about what we've been watching. Uh, Troy, what have you been watching, man? Um, so I've been uh, going through some some holiday thrillers. Uh, I watched for Thanksgiving. I watched Blood Rage as per usual. Um, I love that movie. I think it's really cheesy and Thanksgiving horror. There's not a there's not a lot of horror uh, set in Thanksgiving, so. Um, that's always a fun one. Um, I actually got around to watching Thanks Killing because I I've never seen it before. Um, you know, it's definitely Thanks Killing. I guess. I, I, have you all seen it? <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's, it's very um, it's very low budget, but on on the charming side, because you know, there's a lot of movies that you know they're they're made to be really bad on purpose um, or made to be very low budget on purpose like that's the whole aesthetic and sometimes it seems sort of forced but in this case it seemed very charming i know the sequel which is called thanks killing three there's no thanks killing two the, the second movie is called thanks killing three um to my understanding is is an absolute nightmare of a movie it's i i hear it's really really bad i hear like that movie got a lot of crowdfunding. I, I want to say they filmed, you know, they, they filmed the first one for like nickels and dimes. And then they crowdfunded the second movie for like, I want to say like $111,000. And then that movie just was an absolute dumpster fire. Like all the humor was laid on so thick to the point it was just not funny. And it's just kind of a chore to watch. That's how bad it is. I That's, that's where I'm, I'm so wary about watching movies that are meant to be made really bad because a lot of the time to me, they just feel like chores to watch because the humor isn't um, natural. It doesn't, you know, it feels very forced, but no, um, thanks. Thanks. Killing was, was pretty fun. Um, aside from that uh, Christmas movies, I've been <laughs> checking a few of those out. Cause you know, I, I, uh, I love Christmas and Christmas horror. So. But um, yeah. Uh, so you mean to tell me that Thanks Killing Three is bad? <laughs> it's well. The thing is, is like it's one of those movies that you know you should get. There's 
I don't want to say, you know, like it's uh, it's very common with horror that, you know, it's, you know, bad horror can be really good. Like Troll 2. Yeah. Uh, lots of trauma movies. You know, I you know, trauma is always just kind of really uh, like almost like guerrilla filmmaking, you know, very you like the it's it's the essence of independent horror filmmaker not always horror but like independent yeah you know yeah. crazy filmmaking and a lot of those are really interesting to watch um but but thanks killing three it tried too hard it was it was trying way too hard with like well from what i understand it it tries way too hard with like everything that it tries to do and in, and it just makes it so that it's just a slog, you know, it's just mm. really, you know, yeah, it's bad, but like not in a good, you know, not where, you know, where you're like, Oh, it's so bad. It's good. Not like Jack Frost. You know what I mean? I, I, I was talking about that movie a lot. I love Jack Frost and that movie is a dumpster fire. That movie is absolutely out of this world. Like I can't believe they made some decisions they made in that movie and that, you know, somebody okayed it. But I love that movie. I think that movie's a uh, very charming and very, uh, very interesting and fun to watch. I, it's like my drinking game movie. I've had a a few friends. They'll come over and they we've been doing it for the past few years. They'll come over and literally the game is is every time you know you say what the fuck or every time you're really confused by something that happens, you take a drink, and everyone's always really fucked up. Uh, because that happens so much during the movies. So. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to drink to that movie to that game. <laughs> yeah, but so there's good. There's really, you know, just I mean, that's kind of a common thing in horror, right? There's really good bad horror movies, and then there's just really like um, that. You know, there's a reason yeah. why The Room is so good, and then why I would argue a lot of Asylum movies aren't that great and the difference is is that you know like tommy was so and did not intend to make a bad movie it was <laughs> it was accident he 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 made the movie intending it to be good and it was bad same with birdemic and uh, i won't go too far into it but like asylum movies they do that on purpose and it's not as charming it's just kind of um it's it, it loses its you know um I don't know. It's uh pizzazz with me. I guess you'd want to say, I don't know. I'm, I don't like those. Um, but yeah, the, thanks killing three is one of those. It's, it tried way too hard to be a bad movie and it, it would, it, it was, it was not good. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine thanks killing three, not being um, a bad movie, but right. uh, Hannah, what have you been watching? So, so many things. Uh, one of the things that I watched that we watched actually, that is one of my favorites is called hippopotamus. And it is not a creature feature. It has nothing to do with a hippopotamus or any other kind of animal. Uh, you find out like most of the way through the film, what the title is about. It's so bizarre. It's just, um, if you've ever seen the movie 50 First Dates with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, picture that, but as a horror movie. So this woman wakes up in like a 
cinder block basement and doesn't know where she is, but there's a voiceover of a man telling her her name and where she is and that her legs are injured so she can't walk and that her purse is across the room and that he's going to take care of her. And the next morning, the same thing happens. And over the course of the movie, as she's getting stronger, she starts being able to remember a little bit more every day and trying to piece together like who this man is and what her relation to him is. And I don't want to say anything more about it because I don't want to spoil it. If anybody watches it, it's on Tubi for free and it's absolutely worth the hour and a half that you spend on it. Uh, It was super, super cool. Again, 50 first dates, but like, which honestly on its own, that was already kind of a horrifying premise that like you might wake up every day not knowing who you were or who the people around you were. And this movie really just doubled down on the horror of that. It was so, so good. And then we watched another one a couple of weeks ago from from this year called Hunted. That was just really, really great. Um, it's kind of a Little Red Riding Hood retelling, essentially, where a woman starts like, making out with, hooking up with a guy that she meets at the bar who's kind of attractive, I think. Steve doesn't think. Whatever. We'll agree to disagree. (laughs) It it, it was kind of doing it for me. Uh, Until she gets in a car with him and then his demeanor changes. And you eventually figure out that he's making snuff films and has picked her out to be the star of the next one. So actually Steve's opinion is way better than mine is on that turns out (laughs) (laughs) but she ends up having to you know try to run away and fight back and the whole thing ends up in the woods and there's this whole like almost a framing device with an old woman who's telling sort of a fairy tale about a woman who escapes using the woods it's very kind of stylized and cool but the guy who plays like the wolf or the predator is just so good i hated that man so much of just just viscerally angry for almost the entirety of the time this man was on the screen mm-hmm. and just, anytime i'm that angry it's always going to be a good movie that steve liked that one too and i was going to talk about the manor but then i thought steve might want to talk about that one because i think he actually liked it better than i did yeah yeah um i, I just want to jump on here with the hunted also or the hunted jesus hunted um because it was yeah it's on shutter um and it's really really good uh we've been kind of sitting back on it for a little while now i think it was one of the ones that was supposed to come out in 2020 and then you know uh 2020 was a horror movie in itself and uh so it came out in 2021 but it's yeah it's super good it's a really nice like cat and mouse game um, with a red, a little Red Riding Hood twist kind of thing into it. It's like not really a twist, but like it's just motif. it's the do what motif I would yeah, say a motif. Like, yeah, there's just this whole fairy tale feel to it, and then there's a couple things that happen into it in it that make it feel more of like a fairy tale or a little supernatural, um, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah I want to talk about the manor. Because the manor, uh, <laughs> probably one of the best movies I've seen all year. Um, and without spoiling it, basically there is a cult or coven of people um, in a 
nursing home that are killing the old to keep eternal life, to to gain eternal life out of it. Um, and you you figured that out pretty fast. I don't feel like that's a spoiler, really. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's super good. It's really creepy. There's a few like effects on there of like people crawling up and down the side of the wall and everything that's really creepy. Um, but the acting is really well done. I really enjoyed seeing like older actors in a horror movie, like, um, not just being like the creepy old person in the back or, you know, in the woods or whatever, (laughs) like they're actually like, um, the quote unquote final girl in this is like a, an old woman, like 70 grandma. (laughs) Yeah. She's 73. It was really cool. Um, and then the twist, I don't want to give away because I think it was one of the best twists I've seen in a long time in a horror movie. And I've, I've thought about it a lot. Um, and I think that it's super interesting. And if it happened to any of us, like we would have a hard time making the decision that is the twist. Huh. It's called the manor. It's on Amazon prime for what? Like, is it free? It's free. Yeah. It's free. It's actually an Amazon TV movie. Like it's one of their original movies and directed by a woman, which is part of the reason that I wanted to watch it uh, directed by a woman named XL Carolyn. Okay. But yeah, it's, it was, Steve liked it better than I did, but I liked it quite a bit too. It's definitely worth it. And one of the older actors who played one of the like nursing home residents Honest to God deserved an Oscar for portraying this woman with dementia. Like I spent a long time working in nursing homes, taking care of Alzheimer's patients. And this woman like absolutely nailed it. And honestly, like it had to be frightening if you're that age and portraying someone your age that has this degenerative disease that you might get or have like, oh, it was, yeah, it was really intense to watch. And I agree. The ending was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, now on to the movie that uh, everybody's going to groan at that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Old by M. Night, Sh- M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we all agree that he's kind of like a one-trick pony at this point. Like, yeah. Um, he like Hannah always says like he learned the wrong lesson with the sixth sense. Uh, so, I mean, acting not that good. Uh, a lot of the dialogue is just like face palm atrocious. Like it's just so, so bad. Um, but I kept watching because I hate myself. Um <laughs> And I, I thought it was okay. I, I saw it. I thought it was all right. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was the most amazing thing I ever saw. But I was like, oh, this is okay. It was fine. It was fine. Like the, the dialogue really like took me out of it a little bit. Um, but I will say, like a lot of people hated the twist. I didn't hate the twist actually. Like I kind of saw part of it coming. I was like, all right, like right. I see what they're doing here. And then like they took it a step further, and I was like, okay, like that's not. Um, I didn't hate that. A lot of people were really like really into it until the twist. And I guess I was the opposite. I was just kind of like, yeah. All right. This is a really cool concept. Like um, the aging effects were really well done. Uh, But yeah, the twist made it 
a little bit better for me. I didn't think the twist moved mountains or anything. Like that's the thing is I I, I like the like that. I thought the twist was acceptable, but it's not. You know, it definitely wasn't the same as you know. Oh my God, Bruce Willis has um you know he's a ghost the whole time. Uh, you know, it's not nothing like that. I was expecting the twist to be something like that, like the the rocks. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, is it okay to spoil it? Do you, do you care? I, I I know what it is. Okay. Yeah, I don't care. Well, I, I think it's okay for the like the rocks to have those weird um, aging. You know, <laughs> it's so stupid when I say it out loud. Like the the aging properties. And I was like, okay, I get it. You know, they're the research team is um I was like, I, I guess they're be trying to be good people by like, you know, trying to basically research medicine, you know, in a very fast way. Um, I enjoyed the violence and like the deaths and stuff. It had a lot more deaths in it than I was expecting yeah. it to have. The one yeah. where the, the girl with the calcium problem and her like when she's crawling through the cave and her bones just kept breaking. Yeah. That was pretty like, you know, there were a lot of things that that's what I enjoyed about the movie is that there were a lot of um, kills and things like that, that I felt like, wow, you know, these were just kind of almost borderline, you know, between PG-13 and R that like the bone breaking thing could have definitely been made for R if they did like compound, God damn it, compound fractures where the bones were like jutting out of the skin or something yeah. like that would have been so insanely gnarly. Um, or like, I, I thought it was kind of chilling when, when the dudes uh, like dementia fast forwarded and he was just kind of acting pretty psychotic. Um, but overall I wasn't like, you know, I don't, I didn't think, it, you know, the, the twist moved mountains or anything. No. And, and you know what? I think you know, part of why I was a little like warmer on the twist is that it didn't move mountains it yeah didn't feel it was, like in a complete about face moving into something completely different yeah he didn't try to make it so outlandish yeah. and extravagant that it's just it, he didn't try to do like uh the village where it was just this complete insane thing you know it was pretty like okay it was pretty mild can you know you could probably could probably do a whole episode on like M. Night Shyamalan twists ranging from completely batshit crazy to like really mild. This is pretty uh mild. I mean, um, is the I, I people say that all the time. Do you think the village twist is batshit crazy or do you think well, like, it's a little predictable? No, well, even if it's predictable, I mean, like you know, it's uh the whole time it's you know, it's not the 1800s, it's just, you know, it's just like very big, like reveal whereas i feel like you know you could already tell that the the rocks obviously had something scientific you know yeah mineral properties you know it was basically not too like shocking of a reveal i guess for yeah. me you know what i mean yeah. um yeah yeah. See, for me the village the surprise was that they thought that was a twist like I was watching it and just assumed that we were watching some sort of like Amish village thing where the people had withdrawn <laughs> yeah. from the world. So I just assumed that it was modern times and these people had just elected to do what they did. And then at the end, she stumbles out on a road and it's like, oh, are we? Oh, this is a surprise. Oh, honey. Oh, oh, M. Night. I'm so sorry. Like, I mean. <laughs> I lost all patience with that movie at that point. Yeah. I, know Hannah, I know Hannah disagrees with this, but, but my favorite last thing that Shyamalan did was split. Like, 
the ending of Split, like that twist where it's actually in the Unbreakable universe was fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That's like on the same level of like, you know, like with the things that like the Marvel movies will do at the end of yeah. the movies and they'll tease something. I like The Visit a lot, by the way. I thought The Visit was pretty okay. Um, we like Signs a lot. Um, yeah, I, I thought so. In hindsight, the twist is really fucking stupid when you think like, okay, you can clear like the, those aliens can clearly see how much water is on the planet, yet they're still going to land on a planet that has that much water on it. You dumb pieces of shit. Like <laughs> now, now I want you to think of that. And I want you to think of how many stupid things we do to get into danger as humans. <laughs> yeah, it's just like. It's just so funny, uh, but signs, uh, yeah, signs. Whenever I first saw, like when it first came out, and I saw it as a kid, I remember seeing it in the movie theater. I thought that was it's it was scary to me as a kid. I think like oh yeah, like uh, alien stuff like that is is kind of it's really frightening to me, and I don't know why. Like fire in the sky, the uh, segment VHS two, which is my favorite one on that in the entire movie, and then signs. Um, whenever I but when I saw signs as a kid, um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really scary. Like the the footage that they showed on the news when yeah. the alien walked by, I was like, oh my fucking god! Yeah, it was. It was yeah. Great. All right, so. That was fun. We we watched some interesting stuff this uh, this last month. Now that our horror challenges and everything are over until you oh. know July. Uh, <clears throat> so real quick, I know I'm drinking. What are you all drinking? I am drinking. What is this? Oscar Blues Canna Bliss IPA. It's pretty good, actually. Oh, that sounds nice, Troy. I am drinking. Uh, wild turkey 101 it's uh yeah it's wild yeah so the 101 stands for the proof (laughs) yeah that and ginger ale nice i am drinking uh four roses with a block of ice uh and the block of ice is shaped like a rose because i got a little gift box thing that has a four roses like ice former thing in it so nice very nice it's pretty cool um yeah, I can, I can tell we were all drinking. We're all... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, no, we never drink. <laughs> we don't drink. We're good kids. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a good Christian boy. <laughs> yeah. well, that, is, that is that is totally going in front of the opening of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for it. All right. So let's move into Hannah's Mandate, Meeting Evil. This guy, he can kill anyone. Then why did he kill you? I, I, I don't know. The witnesses all ID you and you alone. Your house is being foreclosed. You passed due on all your credit cards and you got fired from your job today. What does that sound like to you? Bad luck. Name's Richard. You and me, we're in this thing together. So what exactly is your interest in my business? I'm the only person that hadn't given up on you, John. How do you know my name? What is it you really want? 
I bet she does things your wife would never do. Come on, one drink. He wanted something from me, all right? He was pretending like he was my friend. The guy who can do that, he's here. I say we go in there and kick his head inside out. The world hurts people, John. I'm doing everything I can. What if that's not enough? I come in after the hurt. Let's rip his throat out. Just, just let me handle it. All I do is kill people who are already dead. Watch it! Please, just stop. It's not a game anymore. You ain't seen nothing. Stop trying to figure me out. Got my own ideas. Everything okay? It's gonna kill my family. You get that? We are in this together, John. You're making me nervous. I've been telling you the truth. The world is evil, John. All right, so Meeting Evil is a 2012 film by Chris Fisher. In it, John Felton, played by Luke Wilson, is a recently fired real estate agent. While he's alone in his house, Richie, played by Samuel L. Jackson, knocks on the door and asks for help with his car. John agrees to help and is then unable to extricate himself from Richie. Over the course of the day, they pick up Tammy, with whom John had been having an affair, and the two of them are unwitting accomplices as Richie murders people at a gas station, a cell phone store, a bar, on a highway, and in a rural shack. John and Tammy eventually escape, and John is arrested as a suspect, while Richie drives to John's house, posing as a police officer. The action culminates in a struggle in which John kills Richie, but not before Richie plants distrust between John and his wife, Joni. The movie ends with John whistling the same tune Richie has been whistling all day. <laughs> oh god that ending we'll it was there. so hard to cut this movie down into like a plot synopsis because it was like okay all kinds of insane shit happens all day and this doesn't even deal with like the police procedural procedural like side plot that's going on but like uh, <laughs> people figure that out yeah you watch the movie you'll figure that out anyway uh, let's go around real quick and get our initial reactions of this movie and since it's Hannah's mandate let's have Hannah go first Sure. Oh man, I love this movie so much. Uh, I think largely because I've seen it like a dozen times and I'm still not 100% sure what's going on with it. Uh, there's so much going on in the background of shots that like you don't necessarily notice the first round but pick up on subsequent watches. I love the sound design, uh, everything that happens like with the lighting and the sound around Samuel L. Jackson and just how absolutely menacing he comes off as. Uh, I just read the book that it's based on and I'm very impressed to say that this is one of those rare places where the movie is better than the book, I believe. I just, I do, there's almost nothing about this movie that I don't enjoy, uh, except for the fact that it's a Samuel L. Jackson movie that no one has heard of. That makes me really, really sad, which is why we're watching it tonight. Uh, yeah, this this is one of my favorite thrillers of all time. I uh, just think that it's really an insane and fun ride. Troy? Um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed it for the most part, for sure. 
Um, I, there were some things about it that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I want to say I wasn't a fan of, but just kind of took me out of it a little bit. I, I mentioned, uh, the, when we were talking earlier, I mentioned those, um, mm-hmm. I guess we'll get into it later, but like, there was just some things I was kind of like, well, <laughs> um, the only thing that I, I really wasn't a huge fan of, I guess, is I, I I, um, I, I know the movie was definitely, was it made in 2012? The reason I say that the movie looks like it was made in like 2007. I, I thought the, I thought it was like, there it had a, like really desaturated or bleached look like the very, like the, like a kind of a Zack Snyder sort of thing going on, I guess, but it had like a very similar vibe to like something that was made in the, like the mid to late two thousands. It was made um, in 2011. Okay. I didn't know if it was one of those that was made back then and then just didn't get a release until, you know, 2012. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was my only like real, um, I don't even want to say it was like that much of an issue, but like um, just uh, the photography, I, I uh, was like, wow, it's really desaturated. But as far as the movie itself is concerned in general, yeah, I had a really good time. Um, I want to piggyback off that actually again. Uh, first, want to say that I really like this movie. I really like this. I think it's a, a good like um, thriller, psychological thriller, maybe. Yeah. Uh, dealing with like you know his <laughs> his all his problems and his uh, family problems and everything, but also like I'm not completely sure that it is uh, completely psychological and not something supernatural. Um, I'm more on the side that I think it's a little supernatural, but that's just me. Uh, but uh, piggybacking off of your talk about the desaturation, I think there is a point for that. Um, because if you look at the opening shot of this movie or the opening few shots, it's really bright. It's almost like the ending of like a movie where everything's like nice and, and solved and done and everybody's happy. Like the grass is bright green and everything's going on. But then like, as he meets Richie and it goes on into everything, like it gets super bleak and muted and everything. So I can see why somebody might not like it, but I think that that might be like a uh, artist intention there. Sure. Sure. Um, I was going to say too, you know what this rem- this movie actually reminded me a lot of was the Hitcher. Have you ever seen the Hitcher? No. Okay. Um, the Hitcher is Rucker Hauer. I won't go super far into this, but just, you know, just, just hear me out. Well, I, you know, I want to see if, if maybe you all agree with me. So the Hitcher is about, you know, real quick, this kid who um, is driving a car for a job from, I think, somewhere in Illinois to California. Along the way, he picks up Rucker Hauer, um, the hitchhiker, and he learns very quickly that Rucker Hauer um had previously murdered another family who picked him up they they drive by the family as as you know they're driving along and he starts getting like real weird sadistic kind of like creepy very not not animated about it but just very dark and uh so fortunately the very beginning of the movie the the kid driving pushes him out of the car because fortunately the passenger door is not closed all the way throughout the whole movie the hitchhiker pursues this kid right and pursues him and makes his life a living hell even to the point where he frames him for various crimes and murders and um even goes as far as 
Um, there's a girl that gets involved a little bit later in the movie and uh, the hitchhiker makes both of their lives a living hell to the point where at the end of the movie, the climax, the uh, kid has to finally, you know, fin, you know, defend himself against this hitchhiker who's seemingly not invincible, but it seems like the hitchhiker keeps getting out of these crazy situations to where he should be stopped. Like at one point he gets stopped by police, but he escapes from them. And it almost has like kind of a supernatural sort of vibe about it too. But this movie gave me a lot of shades of the, of, of the hitchhiker, or not, the, not the hitchhiker, the hitcher. Um, I know this movie was based off of a book, um, but I just noticed so many similarities to the Hitcher that it makes me want to watch the Hitcher now. But I just I wanted to point that out there. If you and also if you've not seen it, the Hitcher is one of the greatest '80s horror movies, in my opinion, to exist in that decade that not a lot of people talk about anymore. But I just wanted to mention that as all. Cool. Uh, cool. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah, it, I mean, some of it sounds familiar, definitely to me. Like especially yeah. like him getting in and you know getting out of all sorts of situations or, or right. Uh, yeah. Things like that. Um, real quick, uh, moving on. Uh, let's get into this movie. Let's go to the opening scene. Cause I think the opening scene is really fascinating. Hannah. All right. So I love the opening scene. Like we've established, this is in 2012. So we're midway through the Obama presidency. And I think you can tell right from the beginning that this is in the middle of the housing crisis. So he comes in, John's driving home through just the subdivision where all the houses are empty. There's for sale signs all over the place. It all looks just sad. Uh, he gets home and is super dejected. And you find out very quickly that he didn't sell a house today. Uh, apparently he hasn't been selling houses a lot he and his family are in the grips of the same economic slump that's been gripping the rest of the country. And I don't know, Steve, is that the part you were talking about being interesting at the beginning or is there something else? Yeah. Uh, I think that's really interesting that we move from outside, which is like really nice, like almost leave it to beaver looking kind of thing. Like it's, it's really bright and almost instantly in his house, it gets gloomier when he's in there. Um, and it, yeah, like, it's really interesting that they're already setting up that, like, um, he's struggling, his whole family struggling, like, it seems like he's has issues. And then it also shows that he has, like, looks like he has an anger issue in there, it seems like to me. Yeah, possibly, like, his, he comes in and pours a drink and immediately his wife and kids who, by the way, if you're going to like do a surprise thing, when someone walks in, it should be within, you know, a few seconds of them getting in the door, his wife and kids waited for him to like, come in, go look out the back door, pour himself a drink, drink it, and then pour another one. And then they jumped up and went surprise. Jesus Christ. That is not good timing. Don't fucking do that. Yeah, at that point, I you just—I would have been mad too. <laughs> at that point, you just stand up and you go, "Sorry, we uh, we got distracted, <laughs> ruined." It. This is an ADHD surprise party. Sorry, guys. But, yeah, that's a—it's a really interesting setup. It, it doesn't waste any time or anything before uh, uh, Richie shows up. You get you get the basic setup of them and what's going on, but you definitely like you get what's going on, even though it's fast. Like it's. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's got issues. Clearly, him and his wife, they don't they don't get along all that well, like um, and all that. But then, you know, Richie shows up and it, it gets even worse for everybody. Yeah. So the wife takes the kids off to play at the park because it's free. They can't afford to go do anything else, but they can go take a walk at the park. And within just minutes of her leaving, there's a knock on the door and Richie is there. And Richie is, of course, Samuel L. Jackson, who is just looking fantastic in this in like a three-piece suit and a hat and has this fancy car. And maybe one of you guys knows something about cars and can tell me what kind it is. I don't know. It's fancy. <laughs> like a Cadillac or a Corvette or something. I don't it has know. wheels. It was a GTO. Cool. What is that? <laughs> I knew that it had wheels. <laughs> it was loud. I know it's loud. It's just an old muscle car is, is all it is, all it was. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, so Richie says that he needs, uh, he's run out of gas and he needs a push. And would John come out and help him? And in a minute of just, I think, great foreshadowing, you see John take a glance across the room at his keys, phone, and wallet, and then walk out without them because he figures eh, it's only going to be a minute. And he's coming right back. And that was just the worst decision he could possibly have made. One of the things I like is you find out really quick, like there's nothing wrong with that car, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing wrong. Richie is just fucking with him. He gets him to help push it down this empty suburban street, uh, uh, turns it on and somehow gets a gash in John's leg. I have never figured out quite what, how that happens but injures john in the process by the um the exhaust the exhaust um blows it like it shoots fire because you know he's uh he does a whatever the hell i don't you know i'm not a car guy either but he does the <laughs> thing where he uh you know some some cars especially muscle cars will have or like modified cars can do the thing where they'll you know basically shoot fire out of the exhaust and he knows what he's doing and it's like he kind of just like it blasted it on right on his leg. Okay. All right, cool. So injures him, but clearly on purpose, right? And that's like one of the first places we see that John is really passive because he's just been injured and he yells for a minute and then just sort of subsides. Like he doesn't insist on being taken back home or walking back home. He agrees to get in the car with Richie and be driven somewhere and there's also a great like three seconds there where richie opens the trunk of the car and reaches for a gun and you think like oh shit he's about to kidnap john but then he doesn't which depending on how you read the ending of the movie could matter or maybe it's just a coincidence or again this is one of the things i love because i have no fucking idea what's happening here which brings up an interesting part of this movie there's a kid that just stands out in the field <laughs> out there, which I'm, I'm just going to point out might lend to why he can't sell any houses around there. If I had a kid just standing outside, staring in, like just like female Georgie, just standing out there, like I would just be like, I, I think I'm good. I don't need, I don't need this house. Like, like, you know, but yeah, she's always out there. And, and in fact, Richie like looks over at her because he has the gun out and he looks over at her and then looks down and then puts the gun back. So it's like, is he not going to kill her because he's 
you know, she's a kid or kill him because she's a kid and he doesn't want to do that in front of her? Or is there something weird going on? I was curious about that, too, because obviously he doesn't have any qualms about murdering children because he kills that mm-hmm. that one kid later. So, yeah, I was kind of curious about that um, <laughs> out of everything yeah. that happened, you know, <laughs> so I, I kept thinking about that. Yeah. All I know is it does not help your um, your your business if you have a kid just standing outside of it. No. Right. no um, not at all. Does not add to your property values. No. Get Jay and Silent Bob, not the kid. <laughs> uh, so they go from there. Richie drives John to the gas station because, you know, theoretically this car's low on gas and that was the problem. And that's where we get the first of the murders of the movie. And this is, I love this because this is, again, one of those things where you see a little more probably after you've seen this once because you don't actually see any murders going on. But while Richie's in the gas station, who's already had kind of a dust up with the uh, the gas station attendant and called her a cunt, uh, he goes in the gas station and John is just sort of staring off into nothingness, waiting in the car. And you can see in the rearview mirror people running back and forth in the gas station. And then later you find out there's like, what is it, 13 people dead in yeah. there? yeah. <laughs> but Richie comes out like not a speck of blood on him just because I was like huh, I got the gas for free because of that bitch and just like drives him out like he's just happy as a clam yeah <laughs> this is this is the beginning of of a string of just really interesting scenes in my opinion like yes it's 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 more and more like as we go into this the more and more I realize like as I watch it every time I'm like oh he's not a stranger to him like the gas station scene uh, that's one thing but like once we like get past that and we start getting into other areas like the phone area and the bar um he knows him he knows everything about him and i think that's really like you said depending on on how you see the ending i think it could lend to both theories right have. well he acts like he knows everyone because they're sitting out in front of the gas station and he Richie looks over at the family that's just pulled in. It's like, you know, your regular white middle class, like mom, dad, a couple of kids. And Richie just shakes his head and says, oh, something like, what she a has, shame. She has, she no, has idea. no idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was like, what the, what are you talking? Like, he knows something about this family that like the wife doesn't know. It's like, are you just talking shit or do you just, are you... <laughs> intuiting something or you have some sort of special knowledge yeah richie's richie's an enigma yeah which Uh, different ways of explaining that there are ah okay so let's see from there john tries to get uh, a woman at the cell phone store to let him use her phone and she refuses just keeps going pay phones at the bar pay phones at the bar Well, by the way, she's having extremely uncomfortable phone sex with her boyfriend, like right out loud in the middle of the day (laughs) at her job. This is also one of the first times you get the whole like overweight thing you want to or fat thing you want to deal with in this. Like, yeah, she is overweight and and eating donuts um, in this. So, like, 
it's the first thing you see and the first time you see it like i don't know as we progress in this movie i don't necessarily know what the point of it is um but if anybody's got any ideas i'd love to hear it but this is from what i remember this is the beginning of that yeah it it is for sure she's yeah quite quite on the larger side and i don't mean like she's sitting there and there's donuts there or like she's eating a donut i mean you see her eat a couple of donuts in the span of a like three minute scene like this is a very exaggerated kind of thing while she's just nobody except for eating competitions naturally does that right like right (laughs) so it's definitely an over exaggeration almost a cartoonish kind of thing that she's doing there yeah this isn't just like oh she's eating some donuts this is like no this (laughs) this was a decision that someone made uh yeah she you know she's definitely kind of a bitch to him to john won't let him use a phone even though he's clearly having just the world's worst day and actually threatens him with a baton that she keeps behind the desk which ends up becoming important he gives up and leaves and tells richie outside that like that bitch wouldn't even let me use the phone he goes to the bar to see if he can use the phone there and runs into his boss. And that's where you actually find out that it's not just that John didn't sell a house today. He actually got fired today for, mm-hmm. quote, not pulling his weight. So we get another weight reference in like the five minutes later. Yeah, that's also where you figure out that he's been cheating. Or at least he cheated once. Yeah. So with also incredibly obese bartender gets him his drink and he meets uh, Tammy who you find out, yeah, they've been having an affair and she's super wasted and agrees to, well, she's going to drive him home because he doesn't have his car. He's still in Richie's car, but it's implied in the meet, like Richie goes off for a minute and then comes back and says, would you believe that bitch wouldn't let me use the phone either? You don't ever see what he does in the cell phone store, but we can all kind of guess. Yeah. Yeah. Bash uh, your brains in with the, that bat, I'm assuming. Yeah. With hair on it. It's <laughs> yeah. never a good sign. Oh. oh, God. This whole bit, there's it's so convoluted because when they get there, Richie had parked in a handicapped spot and was like, oh, it'll be fine. And of course, then come out later, his car's gone. He's like, oh, can you believe they towed my car? But one of my favorite little minutes, um, you can actually see when Richie's bitching about his car being towed. If you look over uh, John and Tammy's shoulder, Richie's car is back in a parking lot way back there. Like Richie just moved it so he can tag along with them. Obviously, he's pulling a lot of strings here. He's doing everything on purpose. But I love that. Like Chris Fisher didn't leave us to kind of figure that out. It's theirs, like a little Easter egg to make sure that we know that, like, yeah, no, Richie did this on purpose. It's interesting because it takes you a little bit to figure it out. Like, I didn't see it my first time. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't either. It's very subtle. Um, It's interesting that you mentioned that the bartender is is fat because, like, I didn't notice that. 
I didn't notice that about the bartender that like I don't know is it because like the bartender didn't act cartoonish like this you know the cell phone lady did or maybe uh, a lot of the the service type like the people in service jobs are overweight like the person uh the gas station attendant is not on the same level but she's definitely overweight too the bartender was kind of rude if I recall, like not obviously to the same level, yeah. but she yeah. is. And then of course the, um, the trucker is as well. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's such a theme. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, especially because so many people in Hollywood movies are just super skinny that when they're not, yeah. you can't help. Yeah. Them, like They start registering. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to trying to pick up on like what the theme would be and why why he chose what he chose like casting wise. Um, it's in the it's in the book. I don't I don't fully understand the purpose of it, but I can tell you that it's referenced over and over in the book of how fat these people are. Like it's it's a theme for whatever reason that the author chose and the director chose to go along with. It's something that they wanted to do. Right. So it's not like a. I know the 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 wife uh leslie bibb i can't remember her name uh, she's very she's very fat phobic um yes. very fat ph- i was i was curious uh, about that for sure yeah <laughs> very fat phobic but at the same time like completely okay with letting her kids you know do the thing that she hates apparently that took that took yeah. me out of it so hard because i i thought that part was almost comical you're we're talking about the the macaroni right yeah (laughs) i started laughing because i'm like well what took me out of it was earlier in the movie they had a balanced regular meal like the kids didn't eat like that at least i don't recall seeing the kids eating like that earlier in the movie um to my understanding they had just had a regular meal and then what what took me out of it though was not only the the just the 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 comedic size of the bowl of macaroni because that's literally <laughs> like an entire box by yeah. itself of like craft macaroni and cheese they obviously hadn't eaten any of it and then the mom says so are you all finished bitch what do you mean are they finished they sh- <laughs> like they didn't fucking eat anything are you what's wrong with you maybe that was their second helping maybe they'd already finished a bowl of it Oh, I maybe sure, sure, but like it, I was just like I was like what? It just I was like wait a minute, what do you mean are they finished? They they literally haven't taken a bite of that. I was I was I was laughing because it was just so yeah. it was so funny. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll mention it later, but the the other part of laugh that I mentioned before too. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, goodness. I have some I have some thoughts on that, but let's let's get there and then we can talk <laughs> yeah, about it. Uh, I'll wait. <laughs> um, uh, just side note on the bar because we never get any um, any confirmation. John mentions to Richie that his jackass boss over there at that table fired him, and then later, like it pans back, and the rest of John's coworkers are at the table, but his boss isn't. You never hear one way or another if his boss dies. Like you usually hear somebody mention later, like, oh, somebody died here or somebody died there. It never gets mentioned, but I feel like we kind of have to assume Richie killed his boss while he was at it. But uh, there's just, there's no way of knowing really. Right. 
It reminds, honestly, Troy, it reminded me of the guest when um, that dad's <laughs> boss gets killed with like an overdose of painkillers and you never really know, but you're like, eh, yeah, he did it. Oh yeah, you're, yeah, you absolutely know that, that David <laughs> did that. And he's like, yeah. guess I got the promotion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This this guy, this Richie guy has already killed more people than like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, oh, yeah. Like <laughs> he, he is a the, my favorite podcast, the last podcast on the left. Like he's what they call a gold star episode. Like you would have to like get a warning <laughs> and a gold star to listen to it. You know, uh, <laughs> whew, he's killing. He's killing a lot. Well, Is so it- Richie claims then that his car has been towed, which, of course, it hasn't. And. Because John is overly nice, like Richie's just taking advantage throughout of John being nice, um, agrees that he'll use Tammy's car and drive Richie to theoretically where the impound lot is. And this gives us one of my favorite shots of the whole movie where they're driving out on this country road and Richie's kind of got his head leaning out the window and the camera pans down to where he's holding this baton, same baton that the cell phone lady had out the car and kind of dangling down by the side. And the end of the baton is sticky and there's some hair sticking to it. And it's like, oh, like to me, I know some people really like, you know, the gore and seeing the violent stuff. And that's, that's fine. I'm not even opposed to it, but to me that worked on such a deeper level than seeing it, just knowing like, being able to kind of retrospectively put that together is just like, oh, it's so fucking creepy. What's interesting about when people do that, like, um, and and also like, I there's a lot of really gory movies I love. In fact, I think gore is an important part of horror in many ways. But um, what I think is interesting is that like you have to use your imagination for that. Mm-hmm. So in, in many ways, like sometimes your imagination could be worse than the actual gore they would show. So it's a really, in my opinion, it's a really um, good decision to make if you don't have the budget to do really good gore, to just do that and let the um, let the viewer kind of imagine it because they're going to do like you did. They're going to go, oh, 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 okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was that's a, that's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie too actually yeah it's very ominous uh okay so they're driving out on this country road it becomes pretty obvious that like they're not actually headed toward an impound lot they're just driving and richie is making both of them more and more uncomfortable uh you get like a jeepers creepers kind of thing almost where they start getting chased by a trucker and ultimately like there's some chasing and car shenanigans and whatnot ultimately results in the trucker getting run over by is richie the one driving by then or is it john i can't even remember richie runs him over he gets in the front of the car okay i was gonna say i thought richie was had taken the wheel by then and you figure out by what the guy's yelling that he is the person that the cell phone attendant was having phone sex with (laughs) earlier on and he is out to get revenge for his girlfriend for her murder so we get to put together even harder that she is indeed dead 
So this is the point, too, where we start getting kind of the subplot, which is a pair of detectives named Frank and Letitia who are trying to follow up on this string of murders. So the other half of this movie is kind of like a police procedural. Uh, one of Some of the funniest scenes out of this are them trying to question Joni, John's wife, and get any kind of information out of her. Because all she's worried about is the detectives or the police not breaking things in her house or yelling at Letitia not to eat the full fat cookies. Like she's just, she does not give them much of anything at all. So that's kind of where we, uh, what we get next. That's when you find out that we've got 13 victims so far in the gas station. Yeah, uh, I I like the police procedural part of it. I think it's interesting. Um, I don't. I mean, you don't necessarily need it, but you also need to know that like they're like they're on to them. You know, they're like trying to find them and everything. And then they, you also need the uh, suspense of like, okay, is Richie going to go down for this, or is John? Is that his name, John? John, yeah. John is John going to go down for it? You know what took me out of it though, sort of, just a little bit, uh, was the was the uh, dude cop. Like, do you, do you know who that is? Frank, like um, Muse Watson. Yeah, he's the he he's the bad guy from um he's the killer from uh I know what you did last summer. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, so so knowing that instantly, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like um, it's it's so I, I know you know well how about that actors play different <laughs> roles isn't that crazy um no but just like that's all i could think about is like that's the fisherman from i don't remember his name uh from i know what you did last summer Ben something yeah yeah um no he, he was still yeah. good in it i just wanted to point that out it's like that's that's him well Letitia is played by tracy toms who is kim in death proof the best one in Death Proof. Oh, and she's okay. Also in Rent. <laughs> so I love Tracy Toms. I was excited that she's in this. I was so confused. Well, not confused. I guess it was a part of that theme or whatever when she was, you know, we were just talking about it when she was calling her fat. And I'm sitting here like, she's not, she's not fat. fat at all. <laughs> no. What's like whatsoever? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, you know, just, you know, uh, get your fat ass off my couch. I'm yeah. sitting here, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like getting into like, especially like that, like it just shows how much of a hypocrite she is too. like John's not necessarily like John doesn't deserve to die or suffer or anything like that. He's he's done nothing like inherently wrong. Uh, but he doesn't seem like he's truthful. He's a truthful right. person with his family. And then it seems like she's kind of just fake and hypocritical towards people, um, which is where I think the fat phobia comes in. Like she's willing to let her kids get really fat because maybe it's easier than, you know, feeding them every good meal or whatever or whatever. Like, but she's also willing to judge other people when it's going on in her own house. Right. Um, so I, I think that the, I think that the fat thing for at least her was done on purpose. Like it shows that she's a hypocrite and that she's not just like a side character, you know, with no, no plot, even though I think her plot is actually 
could be developed a little more. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's just to show that she's a hypocrite. That's my opinion. Well, I mean, that makes sense because she also is uh, really bitchy about Tammy, the woman that John's been having an affair with. Mm-hmm. But you find out that Joni has been having an affair with the guy who's digging their pool. So she's just, definitely already a hypocrite. Just have an open marriage. Just have an open I marriage. I know it's one of those yeah. things, you know, it'll be solved. Hey, yeah. uh, polyamory solves everything. Just no. have an open marriage. Fuck whoever you want. And maybe you all want to fuck each other after that. Who knows? Like, yeah. Like, uh, or maybe you all split up realizing that, you know, like. You're not for each other. Who knows? But like, either way, it's a better situation than what you're in right yeah. now. God, um, yeah. So anyway. Well, that puts us up to what I think is the weirdest house in the universe. Again, you can just count this as one of the things I don't understand about this movie. Uh, John, Richie, and Tammy are looking for a well, John's looking for a phone because he wants to report that the trucker they've left on the side of the road needs an ambulance. And they stop at this, it looks like a house from the outside, but then you go in and it looks like a goddamn barn. Like there's light coming in from gigantic gaps in the walls. Is it a barn? Is it a shack? Like, I don't, I don't know, but there are people living in it. <laughs> and there's a phone that works. Um, and of course... You don't see it, but Richie definitely kills someone in the back room. Uh, You do see him menace a 12-year-old out in the corn. And later you see those two and then also an older gentleman strung up upside down like deer that have been gutted. So, yeah, Richie wipes out that entire fucking family that we're living in whatever kind of... uh, shack that is out there in the middle of nowhere yeah the, uh, i agree that the house seems like oddly from the outside to the inside seems like oddly different um yeah the the inside seems like something that the creeper from jeepers creepers would be living in for you know a few years before he has to get up to <laughs> yeah. and feed like, like it's just just worn down there's nothing going on like you, you you roll up to that place, I'd be like, all right, there's nobody in there. If there's somebody in there, like, they're dead or they've been dead for a while. Like, there's no way. But apparently there is. Um, I guess, you know, poverty is a problem in America, especially in rural America. So, right. You could live in a place like that. But it did seem like compared to the way it looked on the outside towards the inside, like yeah. uh, it looked a little unrealistic or my theory is that they, the production designer um, and the director just like took some liberties with the inside to make it look creepier, um, which happens a lot. You know, it's not a big Maybe thing. so. Well, so that's at least a plus for Tammy because that's the place where she escapes from. Uh, does Richie, yeah, Richie kills a cop there because yeah, the cops oh, yeah. actually find them. Because uh, the cop is the first persona that he takes. Yeah. And yeah, when, he puts on the outfit and then does like a weird, like weird accent. Yes. And when Richie takes starts taking personas like that, like that's that's the most interesting part. Like when he starts taking over, like he starts 
pretending to be a cop and showing up yeah. diners and everything. You really start to see like just how crazy he is, but also in my opinion, just how powerful he is. Like he, yes. he can get away with shit. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Which I think is interesting because he takes on the persona of a cop. And I think because the fact that Richie is black in this in rural America makes it harder for him to get away with stuff. Um, and then therefore he could be supernatural because he's getting away with it. Whereas if he was white, he would have a lot more privilege and be able to get away with more. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, like I like it when he starts taking on the personas and, and uh, going through the, the diner and, and the checkpoints and, and everything. Yeah, I like it when he makes John put on the hat and turn on the siren to go through the checkpoint. And John's like, that's not going to work a second time. <clears throat> that lends to my theory, too, because he went through, he made a white guy go through. He did, yeah. Yeah, he sat down, like, scrunched down in the back of the car so they couldn't even see him. Yep. Which is funny, too, actually, because uh, there for a while, I know, Steve, you and I had the same thought, and Troy, I don't know if, you would ever um if you wondered this at, at any point mm-hmm. i thought for a while the first time that we were going to find out that richie didn't even exist and that it was just john and that richie was like an alter ego or something because you don't see richie doing anything john is placed at every one of these murders and at one point the detectives actually say they're like yeah we've got you know john called this in John saying, you know, when they eventually arrest John, he keeps saying, oh, it was Richie. It was Richie. And they're like, oh, yeah, the tall, thin black man that no one ever saw. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I thought it was going to go like, you know, it's just a figment of his imagination. It's Mm -hmm. just his broken psyche. And it's he just had such a bad day, like they said, that he, you know, committed all these crimes for that reason. There was going to be some high tension shit. Yes, yes. Yes, very much, very much high tension. High tension or secret window or yeah, my club. What? It, what it, yeah, yeah. I'm glad yeah. they didn't actually. I like those movies, but I'm glad that they went on a different way with this. Yeah, yeah. I love high tension. I haven't seen it in a, in a little while. It's so good. Yeah, it is really good. All right. Well, eventually, so they get through that checkpoint, and John just. Uh, gets Richie to agree to let John out of the car. But after he's out, Richie reminds him that John had agreed to invite Richie home to dinner. And Richie's like, oh, yep, I'm going to your house. Hope your wife makes a nice pork chop and drives off to go home to John's. And John has to try to figure out how to get there on his own, which he does in like the dumbest possible way. He has this moment of running down a highway, like banging on all the car windows and screaming, help me. And when he gets tackled by the police and kicked in the sides a few times, I'm like, you know what? Fair. What the fuck are you doing? You cannot act like this on a highway. So, You're lucky you didn't get shot. It's interesting because that's a like a, a crazy overreaction from the cops, though. Like when you really think about it, like they, it detain, they detain him. But like it's a crazy overreaction from the cops. Yeah, I thought that was a little comical. I, I it's a, that took me out of it a little bit. Um, I, I, uh, it. <laughs> I get maybe that maybe that was a like a commentary on on police brutality or something, which 
I don't know if that's the case because um, it's against the white guy. So I feel like the message isn't totally clear there, but um, I know, I know police in lots of situations, um, you know, use excessive force. And I mean, in a lot of situations, I'm, I'm very much, you know, like, uh, you know, all cops, I have an, I have an ACAP shirt. So like, um, um, but anyway, we're moving on into, uh, the ending. Yes. So in the process of getting to John's house, Richie, while he's dressed up as a cop, stops at a cafe while impersonating a cop and kills some more people, including again, a very overweight waitress. Uh, we won't get too much into the scene because we've already kind of talked about this a lot. He then go actually gets to John's house and presumably kills the cops who are watching the house. It's not something that we see happen, but um, he it must occur. And Joni lets him in thinking that he is one of the cops who's watching the place. So when John gets home, finally, there's Richie there drinking fucking scotch in his living room. And Joni having no idea what's going on. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting because by this point, the tone of the film, like the, the, the color and the lighting and everything is just gone from the beginning all the way to the end to, to very like sinister. The lighting on them is, is, mm -hmm. is splitting their faces where you don't know like if they're evil or not, but then like, you know, Richie's face is almost completely shadowed out. Like you already know he's evil. Like it's mm -hmm. just gone full. Like the lighting in this whole scene here, in my opinion, is phenomenal. Um, and I think that this has some of the biggest amounts of tension in the whole movie. Like there's some really good tension throughout this movie, but this ending really, really lands the whole movie in my opinion. It does. I agree because so you've got this horribly awkward dinner because Richie insists that Joni cook after she's already fed these children, like Troy mentioned, enormous fucking just troughs of, macaroni and cheese and sent them off to bed uh she cooks for them richie sits there and bitches through the meal that he doesn't like this and the pork chops aren't well done and da, 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 da. in the middle of it richie starts asking john like why do you think i knew these things about you why do you think i came to your door today and then claims that Joni had hired richie to kill John for his life insurance. And of course, Joni says, no, I didn't. And a scuffle ensues. At that point, nobody in there trusts anybody else. And this is one of my favorite parts of the movie because again, I've seen this goddamn thing a dozen times. I don't know if Richie's lying or not. And I just if love, go ahead. If he's a hitman, he's the worst goddamn one I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I mean, like, I just love a hitman that kills everybody but the guy he's supposed to kill. <laughs> right. That doesn't make it. I, 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 call, with the guy. I call bullshit on that, in my opinion. Like, I don't think he's a hitman. I really don't. Like, I think that that's just, I mean, like, why should we trust anything that comes out of his mouth to begin with? Um, and then 
Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think the, the married couple, like, I don't think they trust each other, but I think that Richie knows that and he's just preying upon that, that rift there. Right. Cause like, I wouldn't put it past her. Like, this is not like a Joni Stan moment. I don't like her or trust her. I don't think she's a good person, but that doesn't, it doesn't feel like something necessary, like the kind of bad thing that she would do. And I don't know. Richie just does not, if he was going to kill someone, I don't think he would do it for that kind of purpose. Like he just seems like he kills more or less on a whim. I don't see him operating as like, Oh, you give me money and I'll take out this person for you. It seems like a much more personal if he yeah, wants yeah. to kill them for whatever reason, then he'll do it, but not necessarily as a mercenary. Yeah. That, go ahead, Troy. Oops, sorry. Um, I was going to say that, that, you know, us bringing this up. Um, do you want me to wait to mention it or can I go ahead? Go ahead. They're, they're fighting. Everybody's fighting. Okay. This out of everything in the movie, this is the one thing. Okay, I want to say what happened before I tell you, or before I say what it is. I, I paused the movie and I, I screamed "fuck you" at my TV. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I can understand one thousand percent. Um. I can understand one thousand percent for. Uh, wow, I, I lost his name, John. Um, getting to his breaking point, right? And mm-hmm. eventually having to, um, you know, commit acts of violence because he just, you know, he's pushed that far. I that's that's fine. Like, yeah, absolutely get it. Um, you know, it's I, I, that's kind of the whole point, you know. And now he's finally at his breaking point, gets there, and they fight. What I think was unacceptable, and I want to I want to know who said this is fine, <laughs> is when he when Samuel L. Jackson raises his knife and and stabs downward, and John does this like like he's Neo from the Matrix, claps <laughs> the blade like he has years of training in martial arts this that is something that people do in like superhero movies or kung fu movies i'm pretty sure they do it in anime i don't watch anime but you know it's kind of like one of those things like somebody stops a a sword with their finger or something brandon lee does it in the crow yeah it's like the equivalent equivalent of that yeah he's a and he's a superhero yeah no like (laughs) and he's obviously you know richie could easily overpower John. Richie is much more imposing of a person mm-hmm. than John is. You know, John's just like an everyday family man. And I thought it was just, it was so absurd for him to do this like Krav Maga shit where he, he stops the blade when he claps. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't like, I would, it would have been more believable to me that he um didn't get you know fatally wounded or anything but like 
he he did stop it but got injured in the in the in the middle of it. No, he pulled some like weird superhero move where he, he stops the blade by like clapping it. And I just I, I thought that was so it was so out of place. Nothing else though. Like, I mean, the rest of the fight was fine. I, I that was fine. It was just that one little thing that just completely blew my mind. <laughs> I think you're forgetting about the part where realtors have training in martial arts. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a part of the, how you get your license, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, you have to fight, like, you have to fight, you know, the ghost of Bruce Lee before you can get a... a... I, I think y'all forgot that in The Crow, the thing that got him in trouble to begin with was they were having a fight over uh, the, like, landlord disputes. See? So, clearly... See? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make any sense, but no, it was just so funny to me, though. But like, um, but the rest of the fight was was fine. It was just so funny to me. Um, I I, I do kind of wish it was more so um a figment of his I, I you know, and obviously I think it's meant to be left ambiguous about if he was really the you know a, a hitman or not. Um, it's pretty coincidental. Like, yeah. oh, well, he knows everything, yeah. though. So how does he know everything? All right. So we're up to the point where they're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So they fight back and forth for a while, end up falling in the hole of water in the backyard where a pool was being put in. Uh, and of course, as we found out earlier, the wife was having an affair with the guy who put in the pool. And also just throw in one of my favorite lines from the movie, uh, Richie is talking to, I think, Tammy earlier. He says, you dig a hole in a man's life, you can't expect not to be buried in it. And Richie ends up getting shot in the hole that has been dug in the back of John's house. That was like one or two skeletons away from being like a Poltergeist remake right there. (laughs) It was, yeah. It looked a lot like it. Also, like, can we just take a second and think, like, this guy... Just got fired, and he got fired because he had not sold any houses in so long, right after the housing bubble has crashed in the late 2000s. And he and his fat-phobic fucking family are putting in a goddamn pool in their backyard. I mean... With what goddamn money were they playing? Maybe this is why you went she, broke, guys. She can't afford to go out, but they can afford a pool. I mean, they're not paying in money. Paying. <laughs> That's it. Okay, that guy is not hanging really around bad. to do that job. He is doing that job so he can hang around with the wife. Like, and he's bringing in, he's bringing in the digging equipment, and then he's bringing in boxes of craft mac and cheese. Yes. Yep. Bringing home the bacon and also the craft. So after that, after Richie is killed dead. Yeah, because the cop. That's what I think is funny too. Is the whole thing's like, oh, this is John finally standing up for himself, like straw dogs style where like the the passive guy finally like defends his house after all that the cops are the ones who actually shoot richie (laughs) he still doesn't kill him uh after that you know the cops take everyone's statements they want to actually take Joni in because of the whole like she tried to have you killed thing but john says no uh john and Joni lay down in bed and Joni's like, oh, things going to be okay. And they turn the lights out. And then in the dark, John starts whistling Dixie 
which, however inappropriately, is something that Richie has been whistling through the entire movie. And then we get credits. I have a question. And we get to wonder, like, what is John, what does that mean? Is, like, was Richie some sort of supernatural entity that's now possessing John? Has John just hit the, like, I'm going to get revenge on people who are shitty to me like Richie did? Are they just going to get a divorce? Like, what if we don't know? And it lets you just based in that under. For me, the movie Halloween explains it well. There's going to be 8,000 remakes and sequels that all contradict each other? (laughs) No, he's purely and simply evil. Evil can be everywhere. He's purely, evil. He's yeah. purely and simply evil. Like the, whatever evil this is that was inside of Richie is passed on to to John. And uh, yeah, it's really unfortunate. His entire family's in the house with him when he starts doing that because mm, I don't want to see what happens after. In my opinion, but no, I had a I had a question. Okay, so when the cops show up, finally, you know, when they're fighting, I want to know why none of the police officers and there's probably about. 15, 10, 15, 20 police there. Why do none of them announce themselves? Because this is a movie and they're stupid. It just, it just that was kind of like, I know, and this is, this is just me being nitpicky. I'm, but they all got there and they were just like dead ass quiet. None of them were trying to tell them to stop. They just looked, they were just an audience. And I'm sitting here like, wait, no, wait, what? No, they would say, you know, they would, they would cry for them to stop. And then, obviously, I think even if they were, you know, it would have still resulted in someone getting shot. But I'm saying, like, it just was a little weird that they didn't. To be no. that, that's you know, again, this being nitpicky. I will say, in terms of the cops, their last line: you've got uh, Frank and Letitia as they leave. They're just kind of stunned that John doesn't want them to arrest Joni for trying to take a hit out on him. Uh, Frank says, come on, let's go get fat. It's like, okay. Yet again, I don't know what you're doing here, but hello, fat phobia. There you are again. You're doing something and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Whatever it is, is slightly beyond me. So I've been watching this movie for years and finally in preparation for this, I went out and bought the book to see what the differences were. So I was hoping that it would lend some sort of um, finality to the was he or wasn't he a hitman thing. And it didn't help at all. Uh, In the book, he's not supernatural and he's also not a hitman. He's like a, I think, 20s or 30s year old white guy who had just been released from a mental hospital that day, gets out, steals a car, encounters John in sort of the same manner. They pick up an unrelated woman, not John's mistress, just some other woman, and then go on a similar sort of journey where they still kill a lot, or Richie still kills a lot of people. Uh, In the process, John commits more crimes, but things like breaking and entering and, like, he takes a kid's gun away and holds the kid at gunpoint. But, like, for a reason, but still, you know, things that are illegal uh, before finally getting back to his house. Uh, 
Uh, Richie still makes it into John's house, but John's wife never actually knows who Richie is and just thinks that John has sold a house. She's super happy the entire time. She thinks they're going to get a lot of money. And ultimately, John manages to get Richie out of the house. They go to a convenience store where, again, it tells us that a very overweight clerk says something Richie doesn't like. Richie kills him. And then John finally snaps and kills Richie there. And it's like, it's fine. It's a very kind of open and shut little thriller. Uh, I'll probably read it again just to again see the differences but I don't ever like saying that the movie's better than the book because usually it's not true but this one I feel like the movie added so much like layers and ambiguity to it that the book just really didn't have that I really wasn't impressed with it I will also say that John in the book does not come off that well like at one point in the book where they interact with like a 12 year old boy which they also do in the movie, Uh, Richie announces that he wants to show this kid how it is or something and tells the kid to take off his pants and starts taking his dick out. And John, John thinks, huh, if I let him start raping this kid, he'll be distracted and then I can overpower him. That's like, okay. You know what? If you're ever at the point where you're like, oh, it's going to make my life easier if I let this kid get raped a little bit. Like you're not you're not the good guy. It's just you've lost the moral high ground at that point. And luckily, like it doesn't go that far because Richie gets distracted from something else and nothing ultimately happens to the child, which is nice. But it's it was not pleasant to read at all. Yeah. Like somehow Samuel L. Jackson is better than this. It's odd. Hmm. But, yeah, I definitely like the uh, plot of the movie better than what you just described. Yeah. One of the things that I do think is funny too is um, the book came out in 92 and this came out, or, you know, it was made in 2011, came out in 2012. Both of them are taking place in the aftermath of Republican presidencies. So the first one would have been right at the beginning of um, Bill Clinton's presidency, where there had also been an economic crisis. And of course, we're still dealing with which one of those idiots had cut all the mental health services? Is it Reagan? Reagan, the devil himself. Yeah. Right. And Richie, of course, has been let out of the mental hospital when he's clearly not been cured because not enough funding. And this one, of course, we've got one of the things that I like in the movie is obviously you've got the, as we've talked about a lot, the real estate bubble that has burst. This is right in the middle uh, or right towards the end of Obama's first presidency. Of course, he's about to be reelected for a second one. And we know now that rural and middle America really did not cope well with having a black man as president. We kind of knew at the time. And then I think seeing Trump get elected and seeing kind of some of the demographics that voted for him, it's very clear that uh, white America did not cope well with seeing a black man succeed. Also, I don't know if you all noticed, I didn't catch it till this last time. Richie, of course, is whistling Dixie throughout the movie, which is odd because 
you know, he's black. Yeah. Most yeah. of the people he kills have American flags on them or on their property. Oh. Like the woman, the gas station attendant has an American flag uh, patch on her shirt. The shack that he kills people in, that's got an American flag hanging outside of it. The trucker has an American flag on his hat. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's like a weird mini civil war going on in the movie. Yeah, you pointed that out. I think that's really interesting. It's almost like the fat phobia thing where I'm like, I don't fully know what to do with it, but it's definitely there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, there's a, that's one of the reasons I like this movie so much is there is a ton going on in it. Even if some of it either is going over my head or maybe is just misfiring a little bit, but it's still there and I like having something to chew over when I watch a movie. Anyway, I've just talked for like 10 minutes straight. So somebody else say something now. I mean, like, I think it's really interesting. Like the, obviously the racial themes, like stuff that I thought of tonight that I didn't think of even the last time we watched it. And then the whole civil war thing is really interesting. Um, Especially dealing with rural America, like, and not dealing well with a black president and, uh, very much overreacting and electing a very, 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 very incredibly racist president after them. Yeah. Uh, right. So I think all of that's really interesting. Um, I think it lends itself to the movie um, instead of because sometimes when your themes are all like you don't you know you got all kinds of different themes and they all don't always land. Like it kind of makes the film feel a little uh, disjointed and doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it knows where it's going. But I don't think that is the case in this film. And that is definitely a compliment for this film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and move into ratings. Um, Troy, I'm going to start with you this time. What is your rating for this film? Okay. Um, I thought it was all right. Um, I'm sorry to say I, I don't, I don't like it as, as much as you do, Hannah, but that's, I, I still thought it was pretty good. Um, myself, I would give it a six out of 10. Um, I thought it was a pretty fun watch. Uh, I I don't think anybody likes this movie. <laughs> I don't think the director accurate. <laughs> totally accurate. So I, I definitely do not like it as much as Hannah. Uh, I would give it a, an eight out of ten. Is what I would give it. I think it's really well done. Uh, the, I have not seen anything negative about the production. Uh, I think it's shot really well. I, I don't. I think the muted tones actually lends to it, um, and all that good stuff. Um, Hannah, what is your rating? <laughs> uh, let's see. For me, I would give it an eight and a half out of ten. I almost want to say nine, but there is enough stuff where I'm like, uh, like, as someone you know, who's trained in literary criticism. If I know you're going for something, but I can't tell what it is, that makes me kind of cut off a little bit. I'm like, okay, you probably needed to draw this a little more clearly if you wanted people to really um, be able to interact with it meaningfully. But in terms of just the film aspects of it, I love just about everything about it. Watching it again, I think the sound is one of my favorite things. I love how every time Richie you know, steps out of a door, comes into the light. Like there's this sound cue that makes him seem just like the devil. Like it's just, it's so 
kind of overpowering and I just love it. So yeah, eight and a half for me. Awesome. Uh, that's actually lower than I thought. I thought it would be like a nine and a half. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, all right. So I wanted to get one real thing and I wanted to get Troy's reaction. Hen already knows this. But oh. Troy, <laughs> I want you to guess for me. What do you think the box office for this movie was? I, I, well, I'm surprised because I, this, I thought this was straight to video. This, this was in the movie theaters. It was, it was in a movie theater. <laughs> what, what it make of the two, three hundred bucks? $525. Oh, okay. Well, I was in $525. Okay. Yeah. It's well, higher than what you can. <laughs> That's. <laughs> oh, um, Hannah's poor face when she when she first I told her that like waiting oh, up. Oh, like that makes that makes sense if it's only at a single movie theater maybe they yeah. played it for like a single time or something it's or not, maybe a, a week or something it's not bad for like one if if like let's say like there's the premiere which you don't charge people like to show up to the premiere but like um, you have one viewing after that and people yeah. Like yeah, let's say you even had it for a week. Doing that. Yeah, that's not yeah. bad for like a short showing of a. That, that's cool. That's interesting. It only showed in one theater. Yeah, that sucks. I just, I'm glad to know why no one has ever heard of this fucking thing before. Like it was essentially not in theaters. Yeah, you would have um, you would have heard from it if it weren't for the fact that you just played like roulette movie roulette one night yeah my my ex-wife and i were just looking for something to watch on netflix and we were like yeah. oh this is samuel l jackson this is probably going to be good and you have been talking about it for the last eight years speaking <laughs> of box offices though just because i know I, I, out of all of us i'm the one who really likes comic books and stuff so just we're talking about it um <laughs> So Spider-Man tickets are going on sale in just four minutes and I'm going to pick one up. I think that this movie is going to do insane numbers at the box office more so than any other movie this in the, since the pandemic started, I just mm -hmm. was thinking about that. Like it's, there hasn't been like a big blockbuster movie like that. That's came out yet. Like really. And I, it's ridiculous how much hype there is behind this freaking movie. I'm going to die. Know? And there's going to be Spider-Man movies coming out. Aren't I? Yeah. No, straight up. Do you know how many, you know, the, the trailer that came out just like a week ago or a two week, however long it was ago, it got like a million views in 15 minutes. It was it's crazy how hyped people are for this fucking movie. I'm pretty excited, but I'm not like some people. I'm I'm I stopped being a Marvel guy after Endgame. Endgame, I just I didn't fucking like it at all. <laughs> no, uh, I I have my gripes. I have my gripes. If it's like as a, as like I, I read comic books regularly and just like when it, it's it's hard to you know watch these things sometimes knowing that a character has existed for decades as a certain like pretty much a character's existed a certain way for decades and decades and decades and decades and not talking about gender swaps or stuff like that but just when like fundamental aspects about a character yeah. like their motives and stuff that make them good in the comic books are changed to like a less meaningful one in the movies i'm not going to start a whole conversation about this but i'm just saying like it's it's yeah I wasn't 
I wasn't a big as big a fan of Endgame as a lot of other people were. No, I didn't like it at all. But yeah, it kind of burned me on Marvel movies. So I just like everybody's freaking out. I just, I just I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's so hard to keep up now. It's like it's hard to start because if you haven't been watching them, you have like twenty six movies to catch up on to like under plus all the TV shows and stuff that are coming out. You have to watch them all to like really understand all of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, so we need to get into what my mandate's going to be, and since it's yes, looking more and more like Santa's land of the damned out there. Uh, <laughs> Is it snowing? No, it's just the lights and, and all the noise, noise, noise. Um, oh, it's crazy. I have a lot. I I have enough Christmas spirit for all of us, and I, I, I completely respect. I completely respect. Um, you not liking Christmas because, yeah. like I said, I can have enough Christmas spirit to like just uh, for everybody. Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> so, I'll just, I'll sit in my room and with my Halloween decorations and be a curmudgeon until you know August. That's and then, it, and then everybody else can enjoy Christmas <laughs> and, and Easter and Fourth of July, whatever. You know, do people enjoy Easter like that aren't kids. I don't know. Some- <laughs> You know what? It's the pagan holiday of fucking. Yes, we enjoy Easter. Okay, that's valid. Yeah, the, I, I like the pagan holiday of fucking part of it. So much better than some random dude coming back from the dead 2,000 years ago. But there anyway. Is, um, yeah. I, did you watch American Gods? There's a whole thing about uh, the actual like history of Easter and the goddess and everything. Sorry. I just No, I, I've never seen American Gods. Very good. What's your movie? Because I'm really excited about your movie. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I'm gonna jump I, the gun I, here. <laughs> I I got distracted. I that sounds really interesting for America God. So, um, so my movie is Better Watch Out. Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's a little home invasion Christmas movie that's a lot like Home Alone. It's fun as fuck it's probably or it, no it is one of my favorite christmas horror movies ever yeah. and probably favorite christmas movie ever except it's amazing national lampoon's christmas vacation but that's a different story <laughs> but i have another assignment for us here and that is we are to all three pick a regular non-horror christmas movie and come back explaining to us how it is actually a horror movie does that make sense? Absolutely. Crystal clear. <laughs> I think my favorite fun. game ever. <laughs> I think it'll be fun as hell to. Yeah. To, I want, I'm ready for you to explain to me how love actually is a fucking horror movie or. Oh my God. Like, that is a horror movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I feel I, like uh, I'm the only person who doesn't like that fucking movie. No, um, right. No, we, we all yeah. three. We're we three, all three. three, 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 three. We all three hate that movie. My, my ex made me watch it. It's one of my ex's uh, favorite Christmas movies. And I I did watch it. Um, and I know it's beloved by a lot of people, but I'm sitting here like, uh, I don't want to watch this. Anymore. I get it. Yeah. But that is our, that is uh, the mandate for next month. And um, I hope you enjoyed our uh Slightly drunken talk about meeting evil. And if you want to watch this movie, we encourage you to go find it on Tubi. Amazon right now. Is it on Amazon? It's not on Tubi? 
No, no it's right not on Tubi. Fuck. We'll go find it on Amazon eventually. It'll be on Tubi again. Everything's on Tubi eventually. <laughs> that's, that's like the, the Florida of indie horror. That's where you go to die. Is you just end up on Tubi and that's it. Uh, no, but Tubi is an amazing app. It is. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it is, our time is well passed up. So it's time for us to go until next month. All right. So I'm Steven. I'm Hannah. I'm Troy. And we'll see you next month. podcast was made by horror fans like yourself intro music by aaron bertram